From Liangjiahe, a village on the barren lowest plateau in northwest China, to Zhongnanhai, the center of China's top leadership in Beijing. Xi Jinping has served in various posts at different levels of the government across China, starting in his early years as a junior village official to governing as China's top leader. What's he like as an individual and as a leader? How have his work experiences from earlier decades been influencing his leadership as the national leader? What are some of the core principles that have guided his decisions and actions? I consider myself a relatively hard-working person. I know very well that people's biggest concerns are education, employment, income. We can't pursue development through destructive methods, depleting the legacies from our ancestors while exhausting the options for our future generations. The Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series shares the life and work experiences of Xi Jinping and explores the formation of his governing principles, philosophy, beliefs, among others. Getting to know Xi's thoughts on national governance and how his leadership took shape may help you better understand China's path, governance and principles. You can follow the Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series on all major podcast platforms. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Begum with you on this Tuesday, October 24th, 2023. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, China's foreign minister will be heading to the U.S. later this week for discussions on a wide range of issues. Israel's military says it's preparing for unrelenting attacks to dismantle the Hamas group. The French president says Europe is seeing a rise in terrorism amid the tensions in the Middle East. In business, final preparations for the China International Import Expo. In sports, an update on the Asian Para Games. In culture and entertainment, theater festivals in southern China. Now checking the day's top stories. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi is heading to the United States this week. The Chinese Foreign Ministry says Wang will begin his three-day trip on Thursday at the invitation of U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. According to the U.S. State Department, Blinken and Wang will discuss a range of bilateral, regional, and global issues. It's part of bilateral efforts to manage the China-U.S. relationship and to maintain open channels of communication between the two sides. China and the U.S. have held their first economic working group meeting on Tuesday. Vice ministerial officials from the Chinese Finance Ministry and the U.S. Treasury Department met via video link. The two sides discussed issues including bilateral trade, economic relations, and cooperation to tackle global challenges. They also agreed to maintain communication. Chinese Vice Premier He Lifeng and U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen agreed to set up economic and financial working groups during Yellen's visit to China back in July. California Governor Gavin Newsom's on a week-long tour of China to promote ties with Chinese provinces in green development and economic cooperation. He's paid a visit to the Shenzhen Bus Group, uh, Antwa Hill Depot, and test-driven uh, some of the electric cars there. Newsom kicked off his trip in Hong Kong on Monday and is scheduled to visit Shanghai and Beijing in the coming days. Cao Chufang has details. Shenzhen is the first major city around the world to have an all-electric bus fleet and taxi fleet. Uh, when Newsom was here, he looked through uh, all the electric buses here. He looked at the charging poles. He even took a test drive of some electric cars that was brought to the depot. Um, in an interview with us, he told us that uh, even though there are similar things back in California, but not at the scale. So he was quite impressed. It's not a very easy task to support a, such a big public green transportation system. It would mean you would need a lot of charging facilities throughout the city. In Shenzhen right now, there are about 40,000 charging stations, and the city is aiming for more. They are now building more superchargers, uh, which are facilities that can um, charge electric vehicles much quicker 
tougher than ordinary ones. Local government says they will have no less than 300 supercharger stations by the end of March next year. Now, about one third of Chinese immigrants to America are living in California, and China and the U.S. state have a long history in collaboration across various sectors, including on tackling climate change.、Um, many MOUs、uh, were also signed between Newsom's、uh, predecessors and China. Now, Newsom's trip this time is considered as very crucial to reinforce such partnership and also collaboration with China. He's going to visit multiple cities, and he's got a full agenda, including meeting、uh, government officials,、um, visiting、uh, clean green energy facilities, as well as signing MOUs. That was Cao Chufeng on California Governor Gavin Newsom's China visit. Tourism and cultural ties are also high on the agenda of the California governor's China trip. Caroline Batetta is the president and CEO of Visit California, an industry-led organization that promotes tourism. During an interview with CGTN, Batetta said that she hopes the trip will bring more Chinese tourists to the state. We're really excited and appreciate the governor、uh, and his willingness to visit. We we really hope that it just continues to、uh, foster a spirit of cooperation and more exchange.、Uh, eventually, hopefully, leading to more Chinese visitors、uh, coming to California. China is absolutely paramount in terms of our global market and the strategy. It's our number one market that we have. Pre-pandemic, Chinese visitors spent four billion dollars in market. We had about one and a half million visitors, more share and volume than any other state in the United States. So that that's what we're looking to, and、uh, really trying to overcome some of the challenges we have today with airline lift, for example. That was、uh, Caroline Batetta, the president and CEO of Visit California, speaking to CGTN about her expectations for Governor Newsom's China visit. Despite setbacks in the China-U.S. climate cooperation during the Trump administration, California, which is the largest economy in the United States, has remained steadfast in its commitment to the sector. As Ju Tianlu reports, Newsom's visit is expected to have significant long-term impacts on China-U.S. relations. If California were a country, it would be the sixth largest economy in the world. With its substantial economic influence, the state plays an indispensable role in facilitating urgent climate action. Associate Professor Zhang Da at Tsinghua University's Institute of Energy, Environment and Economy says California's status as an innovation powerhouse makes its collaboration with China in developing new clean technologies invaluable. California has a lot of companies that are developing new technologies, such as battery, electric vehicle, and carbon capture and storage. So that would be also important for addressing the climate change、uh, challenge. While in China, Governor Newsom is expected to sign a new memorandum of understanding on climate issues with Guangdong Province, which is China's largest economy. He will also discuss the shift towards electric vehicles and improvements in public transport. Professor Zhang says Newsom's focus will likely to be on Shenzhen, the first city in the world to adopt an all-electric bus fleet. I think on his visit to Shenzhen, he will learn a lot of how the infrastructure is built, how how policy designed to incentivize the、uh, deep electrification of the transportation sector. Governor Newsom is visiting China ahead of the upcoming APEC summit in San Francisco. Professor Zhang, who will be attending the U.S.-China Climate Action Research Workshop during the summit, believes that the governor's visit will lay the groundwork for constructive U.S.-China dialogue on climate in San Francisco, sending positive signals for China-U.S. relations. We have already seen that the collaboration between California and China have already achieved a lot of positive changes, like. Cleaning the the air and also deployment of EV and also climate adaptation. And California has a lot of investments in China, including the very famous Tesla Giga Factory. So I hope the visit will have more positive signal for the two economies to work together to address climate change and also have a healthy economic competition. 
Governor Newsom's visit is also built on a long history of partnership between California and China, which dates back 20 years to former Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was passed down to the next two administrations, despite the federal government's increasing competitiveness against China. With unwavering conviction, Governor Newsom has stated that California and China hold the keys to solving the climate crisis, and this visit serves as a powerful embodiment of that belief. For the Beijing Hour, this is Zhu Tianlu. The Colombian president is visiting Beijing until Thursday. This is Gustavo Petro's first state visit to China after taking office in August of last year. Yang Chengxi has more on what to expect from this trip. At the invitation of President Xi Jinping, President of the Republic of Colombia, Gustavo Petro, is paying a state visit to China as the Latin American leader seeks to strengthen ties with the world's second biggest economy. According to Colombian officials, a major topic of the two presidents' discussion will be the construction of a metro system in the Colombian capital of Bogota. President Petro has previously said that he hopes China can further help Colombia with transportation projects based on the use of trains and electric technologies. The Bogota Metro project is being carried out by a consortium of the China Harbor Engineering Company and Xi'an Rail Transit Group. It is the largest public works project in the country. President Petro's visit follows other Latin American leaders, namely Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro last month and the Chilean President Gabriel Boric, who took part in the just-concluded Belt and Road Forum in Beijing. Although Colombia has not signed on to China's Belt and Road Initiative, trade and investment relations between the two sides have grown over the years. China is Colombia's second biggest trading partner, and bilateral trade volume reached 22.6 billion U.S. dollars in 2022, showing a 13% year-on-year growth. One of the bright spots has been Colombia's exports to China, which grew by 25% last year, consisting of high-quality produce such as coffee. And avocado. That was Yang Chengxi reporting. Coming up, Israel is preparing to go on the offensive. Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive, the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. Search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platform and get ready to dive in. Eleven minutes past the hour. Continuing hostilities between Israel and Palestine have so far killed over 6,500 people. The Israeli military says it's preparing for what it calls unrelenting attacks to dismantle Hamas. It claims to have struck more than 320 targets in Gaza in over 24 hours. Hamas's armed wing says its、uh, fighters engaged with Israeli troops who entered southern Gaza and forced them to withdraw. In the meantime, Hamas has released two elderly hostages. On humanitarian grounds, John Gambrel has details. They were released、uh, after Hamas issued a statement saying they were going to be let go on humanitarian grounds. Hamas also has released footage of its fighters massed carrying Kalashnikov rifles, giving the women、uh, power and energy bars as well as tea before bringing, handing them over to the International Committee of the Red Cross. As one of the hostages was walking away, she waved at her captor, whose name was bleeped out in the Hamas video, and said "Shalom," which means peace or goodbye. In Hebrew, and then got in that red truck, a Red Cross van, to then go to the border with Egypt. They crossed the Rafah border. That's where all that aid has been coming in to the into Gaza in recent days. Then they were immediately、uh, helped down from the truck by the Red Cross. One of the women actually hugged one of the Red Cross officials, who seemed very emotional. Then Egyptian paramedics put them in the back of two separate ambulances. The woman needed help walking, but otherwise they did seem okay when they got in the back of the ambulance, were strapped in, and had their vital signs checked. This comes after we saw two other hostages, a, a mother and her daughter from Chicago, Illinois, in the United States, released in recent days. And there does seem to be a continued international effort to get the rest of these 200 hostages that Hamas holds in the Gaza Strip. To freedom. In the last couple days, we've heard the Israeli military say that they want to hit harder and more at areas in Gaza, and they've said that in the last 24 hours they've hit some 320 targets alone. It's a lot of ordnance that they're dropping on Gaza, particularly in the south as well. And you have to keep in mind that the Israeli military days ago had told those in northern Gaza and Gaza City to flee south to avoid these airstrikes and to avoid the coming Israeli ground offensive. Now, for a lot of these people there, they're finding out that really nowhere is safe, and some are actually even moving back north because of these strikes. 
That was John Gambrell reporting from Jerusalem. The situation in the Gaza Strip continues to worsen despite a third convoy of trucks carrying supplies reaching the territory. Palestinian health authorities say the area is facing multiple challenges, including the acute shortage of medical staff, medicine, power supply, and possible outbreaks of disease. Noor Harazin reports. There have been a series of uh, intense Israeli airstrikes on the Gaza Strip and the people are actually very afraid of the night because Israel intensifies its airstrikes on the Gaza Strip during the uh, night time. Israel uh, attacked hundreds of uh, locations and targets here in Gaza. We are talking about residential homes, streets, uh, around the hospitals, uh, family homes where the families were inside their homes and uh, most of the attacks were in southern Gaza. While the very little number of humanitarian aid that is entering the Gaza Strip is actually not enough to uh, cover uh, and meet the needs of the Gaza Strip, especially that the Gaza Strip is going through this very deadly war with uh, Israel. Uh, according to the UN, the Gaza Strip needs at least 100 uh, trucks of aid daily to meet the needs of the children, of the uh, civilians. Uh, during the health ministry statement, they insisted that what the hospitals in Gaza need is fuel to help the hospitals operate and treat those who were injured, especially in the light of the arrival of hundreds of injuries to the Gaza's hospitals every day. That was Noor Harazin on the unfolding humanitarian crisis in Gaza. A new convoy of 20 humanitarian aid trucks has entered Gaza from Egypt's Rafah crossing. Uh, this is uh, on top of more than 30 trucks laden with aid that have arrived since the checkpoint was opened on Sunday. The UN authorities have said much more assistance is needed by over 2 million Palestinians in Gaza who are barely surviving since Israel began its siege. Yasser Hakim has more from the Rafah crossing. The border has been bombarded several times in the last few days by Israeli air forces, damaging uh, the uh, crossing from the Palestinian side. This did not deter Egypt, however, from allowing aid trucks to cross the border into Gaza late Sunday night. All the aid into Gaza is being received by UNRWA workers before being brought to UN shelters in South Gaza as per Israeli instructions. There was a feeling of excitement, especially amongst those heading into Gaza. Thank God. I'm going to deliver the aid and return. We pray for their safety and the end of this ordeal. However, Gaza officials say only 34 trucks have reached the Palestinians, as the rest are still awaiting clearance from Israel. This is slowing the process for an enclave which the WHO says needs at least 100 truckloads of aid every day. That was Yasser Hakim reporting. Tensions have also flared up between Israel and Lebanon. Lebanon's national news agency says four Hezbollah fighters were killed and four others injured in border confrontations with the Israeli army on Monday. Ross Cullen in Tel Aviv has more on the fighting at Israel's northern border. The IDF uh, dealing with uh, the situation in and around Gaza, the build-up of troops, the build-up of uh, tanks and infantry ahead of that widely expected uh, ground incursion, but reinforcements also going to the north of the country. And just uh, not so long ago, we have had a, a comment from an IDF uh, spokesman uh, saying that, quote, terrorists fired a short time ago at an IDF position in the area of uh, Mashav Am, which is a community pretty much on the border, the UN line of control between Israel and uh, Lebanon and saying that the IDF responded with uh, fire and shooting uh, towards the position that was coming from, which was inside Lebanon, another Hezbollah uh, location. It's believed that uh, the weaponry and the manpower of Hezbollah is um, pretty substantial and better. Uh, they're better trained and better equipped than Hamas. So that is a worry for uh, Israel particularly. We've heard those um, comments from especially the US President Joe Biden just saying don't, don't, don't to any actors, potentially like Iran or non-state actors, potentially Hezbollah, who are looking to try to get involved in this conflict. Uh, people like the United States and France do not want to see that conflict widening, but there is a special focus at the moment in the north. We have seen for several days now ongoing evacuations by Israeli authorities of Israeli towns and villages in that border area with Lebanon.
That was Ross Cullen reporting. More than 200,000 Israelis have evacuated homes due to the war against Gaza and the shelling from Lebanon in the north. As an Israeli invasion of Gaza looms, the possibility of another conflict with Lebanon's Hezbollah has caused many Israelis in the north to leave their homes. Stephanie Freed reports from near Israel's border with Lebanon. Tens of thousands of Israelis are evacuating from Israel's northern towns and cities in response to concerns that the current war will broaden into a regional conflict. Residents of Kiryat Shmona, bordering Lebanon in Israel's north, waited at pickup points throughout the city to be evacuated out of town. Since Israel's war with Hamas started two weeks ago, rockets, mortars, and precision-guided anti-tank missiles have been fired onto Israeli positions from Lebanon and from Syria Israel has fired back and, according to reports, striking airports in Syria to prevent arms from moving to Hezbollah in Lebanon. According to intelligence reports, Iran's Quds commander of the Revolutionary Guard met with a counterpart in Syria over the weekend, the implication being this conflict could broaden out to what intel experts are describing as a ring of fire around Israel that would include Hezbollah in Lebanon, Syria, Iran, and Yemen. In the interim, Israel's military continues striking targets inside of Gaza, preparing the groundwork, they say, for an imminent ground invasion. Israeli officials say the aim of a ground invasion will be to completely eliminate Hamas. And that was Stephanie Freed reporting. China has reiterated its calls to push forward the two-state solution and for the convening of a more authoritative international peace conference to resolve the ongoing conflict between Israel and Palestine. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi made the remarks in separate phone calls with his counterparts from both sides. Wang told Israeli Foreign Minister Eli Cohen that China is deeply saddened by the large number of civilian casualties. And he said all countries have the right to self-defense, but they should respect international human humanitarian law and protect civilians. The senior Chinese diplomat notes that China does not pursue any selfish interests on the Palestinian issue and hopes the conflict can be fairly resolved on the basis of the two-state solution. In his call with his Palestinian counterpart, Wang reiterated China's support for the Palestinian people's right to existence, their right to statehood, and the right to return. He also said China will continue extending aid to Gaza. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up, terrorism in Europe uh, amid the crisis in the Middle East. Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home. It's 21 minutes past the hour. French President Emmanuel Macron says Europe is seeing a rise in terrorism amid the tensions in the Middle East. Macron's remarks came after attacks in France and Belgium by individuals claiming to be influenced by the Islamic State group. Authorities have arrested at least 18 people after a string of bomb threats forced the evacuations of some of the most famous tourist sites in the French capital. William Denslow reports. A heightened state of alert and a heavy security presence is out in force. An additional 7,000 soldiers have been deployed across France to respond to the increased security threat. President Emmanuel Macron has called for a ruthless response to extremists after the fatal stabbing of a teacher. France has raised its security alert to its highest level and a number of airports and tourist sites have received bomb threats in recent days. Roughly 15 million people visit the Palace of Versailles each year, but recent security threats forced it to evacuate those inside and close its doors to tourists on three separate occasions over a five-day period. And it temporarily closed again on Thursday and Friday, citing security concerns. Officials blame pranksters for the spate of fake threats. But security experts say such alerts need to be taken seriously. French authorities say they have their eye on the ball during the ongoing Rugby World Cup and continue security preparations ahead of next year's Olympics. 
Experts say the threat lies from both domestic attackers and from groups coordinating strikes from abroad. The Paris Tourism Office estimates around 16 million people could visit the city next summer. Olympic organizers say safety is the top priority and that when it comes to security, they're at the top of their game. That was William Denslow reporting. The Hungarian prime minister says the European Union has been seeking to strip his country of its identity by imposing a model of liberal democracy that he says the people reject. Viktor Orban made the remarks in a speech commemorating the 67th anniversary of the 1956 Hungarian event. He says the EU has put its fate in the hands of leaders who are incapable of protecting its security, freedom and welfare. Brussels, whistles too. But we dance as we want to, and if we don't want to, then we don't dance. The national holiday on Monday commemorates the beginning of an uprising against the Soviet Union in 1956 that began in Budapest and spread across the country. The incident left thousands of people dead. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov says the conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan over a former breakaway region is mostly settled. Well, the conflict is mostly settled. Both sides agreed that Karabakh belongs to Azerbaijan, and this was the main unresolved problem. Now there are still, of course, practical steps to fully normalize relations. First of all, preparation of a peace treaty and delimitation of borders. And to establish transportation economic ties without any obstacles, as it was agreed at the meetings of the presidents of Russia, Azerbaijan and Armenia. Media. Lavrov made the remarks after he participated in a ministerial meeting in Iran's capital. Uh, the Karabakh region, which was previously known as Nagorno-Karabakh, is internationally recognized as Azerbaijani territory, but became a breakaway state under the control of ethnic Armenian forces in 1994, following a six-year conflict. A subsequent war in 2020 returned control of much of the area to Azerbaijan until a lightning offensive last month forced separatists to relinquish the rest of the region. Mexican President Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador has urged the United States to give clear definitions on migration and uh, the economic blockade against Cuba. He calls the embargo on Cuba a flagrant violation of human rights and proposes that Washington open a dialogue with Havana. The Mexican president expected to meet his U.S. counterpart Joe Biden during the APEC meetings in San Francisco in mid-November, while uh, meeting representatives of Latin American and Caribbean countries on Sunday. Lopez Obrador insisted that ending the economic blockade against Cuba remains a priority, aside from reducing uh, migration in the region. Metal workers at General Motors plants in Brazil have voted to go on strike in protest of layoffs carried out by the U.S.-based automaker. GM announced it was reducing the workforce at its three factories in Sao Paulo, uh, Sao Paulo after a drop in sales and exports, a move it called necessary for its sustainability. Many heads of unions representing metal workers and dismissed workers say there's no reason for the automaker to carry out the layoffs. We are currently going on an indefinite strike because of the hundreds of dismissals that GM carried out here in this plant and other factories in Sao Paulo. Our demand to leave the strike is for the company to leave the arbitrary and violent dismissals by GM. I was surprised by the resignation letter on Saturday. We are all defenseless. The company did this arbitrarily, and we are at the company's door. And the workers' union has already gone on strike. We're going to fight, and we're going to fight to try to reverse these layoffs. GM employs around 4,000 people in San Jose dos Campos, where it makes engines, gearboxes, the Trailblazer SUV, and the S10 truck. Around 1,200 workers have already had their contracts temporarily suspended. Head of the Independent Investigative System for Myanmar says the number of crimes in the country has increased since the elected government was overthrown in February of 2021. Uh, Nicholas Kumjian says the crimes are increasingly brazen. Particularly, we've seen many burnings of villages, aerial and other bombardments of civilian areas, and um, we we've also seen. Uh, the arrests and torture of opponents of the regime, and the air, many instances of um, military forces taking over an area 
capturing individuals, whether they be civilians or combatants at the time, but rendering them then hors de combat and then executing. Well, the official adds that they're collecting evidence that they've found or and they've found 43 social media accounts that are sharing hate speech. At 28 minutes past the hour, Beijing's down to 9 degrees this evening. Tomorrow, sunny skies and a high of 24 Celsius. Chongqing has rain with 19 tonight, 21 degrees tomorrow. Last is down to zero this evening, then sunny in 16. Hong Kong's at 25 degrees overnight. Tomorrow is sunny and 29 degrees Celsius. It's time for a short break. So far this hour, China's foreign minister will be heading to the U.S. later this week for discussions on a wide range of issues. Israel's military says it's preparing for unrelenting attacks to dismantle the Hamas group. The French president says Europe is seeing a rise in terrorism amid the tensions in the Middle East. Shane Begum with you. Stay with us here on The Beijing Hour. Experience the musical classics of the East. Mingle with the masters of Chinese music. Music Talks. Witness the sound of antiquity and modernity. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. We then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures, and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. German railway company Hear the difference with CGTN Radio. Join our global network to connect with the world. CGTN Radio. Hear the difference. I love you. 我爱你. This might be the easiest way to say I love you, since there are so many other romantic expressions. No matter if you're a rookie, or a sophisticated learner, there is definitely something that will interest you. Check out Takeaway Chinese, a world that starts with 你好. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Bigham with you on this Tuesday. Still to come. In business, final preparations for the China International Import Expo. In sports, an update on the Asian Para Games. In culture and entertainment, theater festivals in southern China. To contact us, you can email radio at cgtn.com or follow our X account, formerly Twitter, at CGTN Radio. First of all, checking the day's headline news, here's Zhu Tianlu. Thank you, Shane. Chinese President Xi Jinping has reaffirmed China's principle of amity, sincerity, mutual benefit and inclusiveness in building relations with neighboring countries. This came in a message to an international symposium on China's neighborhood diplomacy in Beijing on Tuesday. President Xi said the basic policy of China's diplomacy is to insist on keeping good relations with neighbors, highlighting the concept of goodwill and sincerity. He stressed that in the new era, China will continue continue to carry forward Asian values centered on peace, cooperation, inclusiveness and integration and provide new impetus to regional unity and openness. This year marks the 10th anniversary of China's principle on neighborhood diplomacy. Chinese President Xi Jinping has congratulated the All-China Federation of Industry and Commerce on its 70th anniversary. In his message, President Xi emphasized the Federation's contributions to the Communist Party of China and its economic endeavors over the past seven decades. He encouraged the Federation to deepen its understanding of Chinese socialism and the party's spirit, urging it to promote the growth of the non-public economic sector as well as boost confidence and unify people around the party's leadership. He also called on private sector individuals to embrace innovation, become models of patriotism and dedication, and contribute to China's modernization and national rejuvenation. 
Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi is heading to the United States this week. The Chinese Foreign Ministry says Wang will begin his three-day trip on Thursday at the invitation of U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. According to the U.S. State Department, Blinken and Wang will discuss a, re- a range of bilateral, regional and global issues. It's part of bilateral efforts to manage the China-U.S. relationship and to maintain open channels of communication between the two sides. California Governor Gavin Newsom has arrived in Shenzhen for the second leg of his visit to China. He stopped by an electric bus depot in a southern Chinese city. Newsom highlighted the importance of cooperation on technology and climate change. Well, I mean, I think we're all in a rush to transition to a low-carbon green growth future. And the focus is on growth. And it's also on inclusion and making sure that communities were left behind in the old industrial frame, the fossil fuel frame, are not left behind in this new economy, this greener, cleaner economy for our health, for air quality, quality of life more broadly. But the economic imperative is there as well. It's a race around the globe trillions of dollars being invested in this space. And so it's about technology, it's about innovation, and it's about proving concept at scale. The governor earlier began his China trip in Hong Kong. His visit is heavily focused on climate action and partnership. Israel has confirmed that Hamas has released two Israeli hostages held in Gaza. Hamas said the elderly women were released on humanitarian grounds. Meanwhile, the United Nations says a number of trucks carrying humanitarian supplies have entered Gaza from Egypt. Aid deliveries entering Gaza have not included fuel, and the UN agency says Gaza will exhaust its fuel reserves within days. The Turkish president has submitted a bill approving Sweden's NATO membership bid for parliamentary ratification. Stockholm has welcomed the move as it clears the way for for Nordic country to join the defense alliance. In July, Recep Tayyip Erdogan promised that he would do so when the parliament reopened on October the 1st. But Turkish officials have since repeatedly urged Stockholm to take more steps to clamp down on the Kurdistan Workers' Party, which Ankara lists as a terrorist group. The United Nations says its peacekeeping mission in Mali has closed half of its bases in the country. The withdrawal comes amid deteriorating security situation and threats from rebels in the West African country. Mali's transitional government had requested an end to the 10-year-old operation. The UN Security Council voted to end the mission known as MINUSMA within this year. An off-duty Alaska Airlines pilot taking a ride in the extra seat of a flight is now in custody as he allegedly tried to shut down the engine's mid-flight. The the Federal Aviation Administration says the jump seat passenger attempted to disable the the aircraft engines by deploying the engine fire suppression system, but the crew subdued the passenger and removed him from the flight deck. The Horizon Air passenger jet en route to San Francisco diverted to Portland, Oregon, where it landed safely. Local police officers arrested the Alaska Airlines pilot, who was identified as 44-year-old Joseph David Emerson. He's being held on suspicion of attempted murder and reckless endangerment. More flood warnings are expected throughout the week in the UK after Storm Babette brought heavy rains and gale-force winds. Residential and commercial buildings became flooded after several rivers in England, Scotland and Wales burst their banks. The storm has killed at least five people. England has issued hundreds of flood warnings with the most most significant impacts in Yorkshire and the East and West Midlands. Floods have disrupted road and rail travel. Thank you very much. That was Ju Tianlu reporting. Uh, this is Shane Begum in the Chinese capital. And coming up in business, final preparations for the China International Import Expo. The Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour brings you an hour of comprehensive news and information from both China, China and the rest of the world. Rest of the world. A mix of news, sports and entertainment. In-depth analysis of the day's big stories, as well as the most comprehensive business of the day. The Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour. Your very own window to China and the rest of the world. 37 minutes past the hour. Turning to business and stock markets on the Chinese mainland finish higher on Tuesday. Timothy Pope has more. 
Uh, the Shanghai Composite Index rose eight-tenths of one percent after uh, central Huijin Investment said that it had uh, bought into exchange-traded funds or ETFs yesterday. Now, this move isn't a huge surprise. Uh, not only were stocks at their lowest level since 2019, but uh, Huijin uh, also said that it would be conducting a periodic stock buy-ups uh, over the next six months in order to support the markets. But it is only two weeks uh, since the last major investment uh, by Huijin, which came uh, in the uh, big four uh, lenders in China. Uh, tech stocks were the best performers in Shanghai and Shenzhen. We saw chip makers, uh, Hua Hong, which is uh, China's second biggest chip foundry, and Will Semiconductor, each up by around 1%. Uh, Shanghai's tech-heavy innovation board, the Star Market, also outperformed. It added 1.3%. But uh, the bargain hunting was offset a little bit. Uh, there's been continued selling among foreign investors via the Stock Connect links with Hong Kong. They offloaded about 3.5 billion yuan worth of shares before the lunchtime uh, trading break. Now as market analyst Timothy Pope in Shanghai. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng Index was down nearly 1.4%. In Japan, the Nikkei gained around two-tenths of a percent. Companies from more than 150 countries, regions and international organizations are set to participate in the China International Import Expo in Shanghai in early November. Cao Bing has details on the preparations for the expo. The 6th China International Import Expo will be held in Shanghai. According to China's Ministry of Commerce, the CIIE as an international platform for procurement and investment and people-to-people -people exchanges is attracting enterprises and business leaders from many industries. Guests from 154 countries, regions and international organizations are expected to join in the expo. More than 3,400 exhibitors and 394,000 professional visitors have registered, and the numbers fully returned to pre-epidemic level. Meanwhile, more than 100 executives from world's top 500 companies in leading industry enterprises have confirmed to attend the CIIE. At the same time, the exhibition will be held on a larger scale with higher quality of exhibitors than previously. The venue covers about 370,000 square meters, with exhibitors including well over half of the world's top 500 companies. Another official pointed out that the CIIE will be held under the concept of a green expo, with the whole process renewable and recyclable. First, we introduce green exhibits, for the first time with 63% sustainable materials, new energy-saving pump motor will be exhibited at the event. Hongqiao International Economic Forum will hold a sub-forum on developing green investment and trade for global ecological civilization. The second is to build a green booth. The construction for the booth will be 100% green. At the same time, 64 Belt and Road countries will participate in the event. One official says the event will further enhance the effectiveness of participating countries, promoting cooperation in a deeper and concrete manner, and thus support mutual development. That was Cao Bing reporting. Shanghai has unveiled a series of business-friendly incentives for foreign exhibitors and buyers for the upcoming 6th China International Import Expo. The incentives include improved customs clearance, visa application, and payment options. Zhu Min's the director of the Shanghai Municipal Commission of Commerce. The CIIE will open green channels to facilitate visa application and entry into China for foreign exhibitors and buyers. During the expo, three hotel shuttle bus routes connecting 31 hotels will be operating, providing exhibitors and buyers with transport services between the National Exhibition and Convention Center and nearby hotels. Customs authorities have introduced 17 measures to facilitate customs clearance of exhibits before and after the CIIE, with additional service windows and channels to improve the clearance process. The CIIE is slated to be held in Shanghai from November 5th to the 10th. The Chinese Commerce Ministry says the country will implement targeted measures to prop up the import of high-quality products from around the world. Commerce Minister Shang Chuping says the country will uh, continue to ramp up policy support and ensure the stable operation of the import of bulk commodities. 
We will guide local governments to build a number of consumer goods import platforms and bulk commodity trading centers, promoting the deep integration of import trade with industry and consumption. The ministry will work to revise the catalog of encouraged technology and product imports and support enterprises to expand the import of advanced technologies, important equipment, and key parts to promote industrial restructuring and optimization and upgrading. Uh, this year, China implemented uh, uh, provisional import tax rates lower than the most favored nation tariff rates of uh, for over 1,000 commodities. In line with the free trade agreements and pref uh, preferential trade arrangements that have entered into force, conventional tariff rates were applied to some imported products originating in 29 countries and regions, further lowering tax rates. Chinese Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Affairs says it'll take steps to maintain the momentum of income growth for farmers. Uh, Zheng Yanda is a chief agronomist of the Department of Development and Planning inside the ministry. We will guide local regions on promotion of projects, including construction of high-standard farmland, development of facility agriculture, construction of storage and cold chain logistics facilities improvement of the living environment for people in rural areas, increase of jobs, and extension of support for flexible employment. Ministry plans to promote the seamless coordination of farm goods and marketing from direct sourcing to processing and sales. The ministry will implement policies more effectively for autumn grain procurement and increase uh, the number of procurement stations to ensure smooth sales amid the ongoing busy autumn harvest. In addition, the ministry will also manage to promote the development of the agricultural processing industry, with a particular focus on preserving and processing autumn fruits. Fresh uh, official data shows that in the first three quarters, uh, the per capita disposable income of rural residents surpassed 15,700 yuan, or roughly 2,150 U.S. dollars. That was up 7.3 percent after deducting price factors. On Tuesday is the final day of the 29th Iwu Fair in Zhejiang Province. The fair showcases a variety of commodities that propel the city's exports. Known as the world's supermarket, Iwu's exports account for around 20% of the national total. With more, Michael Wang spoke with Chu Cheng, research fellow at Beijing Foreign Studies University. Uh, Chu Cheng, I want to ask you about the fair specifically. How does the Iwu Fair, which is quite a big trade event, demonstrate the breadth and depth of small commodities available for global trade? And how do you think this fair provides insights into global supply chain trends? Well, I don't know whether you've been there before or not, but I've been there. I, I can tell you I'm amazed or even shocked because uh, I can tell you that 80% uh, of the world small product, uh, the toys, uh, the sanitary gadget, and all the, all the little things in our household are made and supplied by the EU. So this is actually an international expo for you know the small products uh, we use at home. So I think this is rather important because right now we'll be facing many multiple challenges, for example, geopolitical conflicts, supply chain issues, and high inflation. And I think recently we're just one month away from you know the very dense you know holiday seasons. You're talking about the uh, the new year. You're talking about Xmas. You're talking about Hanukkah. And uh, I think you don't want to use all these excuses to frustrate your kids to say, okay, I don't have the sand, I don't have the toys, I don't have the president. But you would like to put affordable, good quality toys and everything into your family's uh, hands. So even make sure that happens. This year, we've been looking at more than 10,000 kiosks and more than 30,000 of categories and millions of different respective products we provided in you, they make sure that we will have a good holiday and make sure that all these products can be delivered to the consumers all over the world. This is more important. That was Chu Chung, research fellow at Beijing Foreign Studies University, talking about EWU Fair's significance for global trade. Major e-commerce platforms in China started their sales for the upcoming Double, uh, Double Eleven Shopping Carnival. Uh, this year, JD.com's Double Eleven sales will start at 8 p.m. on Monday. Tmall's Double Eleven pre-sales start at 8 p.m. on Tuesday. Uh, Tmall says an estimated 1 billion consumers are expected to participate in its sales and uh, more than 80 million hot-selling products will reach their lowest prices of the year. The e-commerce platform says this year's edition will see the highest participation from new brands and new merchants. There will also be increased official subsidies and financial incentives. 
You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up in sports, we have an update on the Asian Para Games. Sideline Story brings you all things sports related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. 48 minutes past the hour. Turning to sports now, and uh, journalists from around the globe were left very impressed by the opening ceremony of the Asian Para Games. Senior manager Arankel Yip of uh, uh, Redinti Sports was thrilled by the performance. It's it's very exciting, and and I think it just sets the stage for what's to come over the next few days for the Asian Para Games, right? I think from the the special, you know, the auspicious smell that comes through the stadium. Um, to the to the leaves, to the flowers dropping. I think I think that, that's very special. And you look at the graphics, the cinematography. I think it's amazing. So well done to China for putting up such an amazing opening ceremony. Journalist Kevin Pekan from NPC Indonesia was also impressed. Uh, one word: incredible. I think this is an incredible moment that I ever seen. That I see the light and this is my first first time visited to Hangzhou. A lot of people uh, is so very kind. On the sports side, China won nine golds in the swimming pool on Monday uh, Monday night, while the wheelchair fencers from China won all four golds on the first day of competition. China Media Group and the Paris Olympics organizers have partnered up for the sporting event that's coming up next year. The two sides signed a memorandum of understanding on documentary production and promotion of the Games. CMG says it'll present the Olympic Games to world audiences with its technologies including 5G and AI. CMG has also signed agreements with France's Ligue de Football Professionnel and uh, the French Tennis Federation on deepening cooperation in sports broadcast and youth exchanges. Chinese swimmer Chin Ha Young and Australian Kaylee McKeon were honored as the best male and female swimmer of the year 2023. The awards were presented at the premises of the future headquarters of World Aquatics in Budapest, Hungary. Uh, Chin, a breaststroke specialist, dominated the men's category, while backstroke specialist Kaylee McKeon uh, excelled among the women. Uh, both athletes achieved remarkable success, winning all three events in all three World Cup legs. At the 2020 23 World Aquatic Championships, Chin became the first swimmer in history to win all three breaststroke events at a single edition of the championships. And uh, he also won the 200-meter distance with a world record. China's women's football team confirmed that star forward Wang Shuang will miss the upcoming Paris Olympic Asian qualifying matches due to a serious injury. The Chinese team is set to play against North Korea, Thailand and South Korea on October 26, 29th and November 1st in Xiamen, Fujian province. Uh, the Steel Roses must win the group to ensure a spot in the final stage of the qualifying campaign. Uh, China's called up several overseas players, including Zheng Linyan of a Tottenham Hotspur. The official draw for the 2024 United Cup Tennis Tournament has concluded. The results uh, revealed that uh, China will clash with Novak Djokovic-led Serbia and the Czech team uh, headlined by Wimbledon champion Markita Vondrasova in the group stage. The second edition of the United Cup is scheduled to run from December 29th to January the 7th. It'll feature 18 teams that'll compete in, in the Australian cities of Sydney and Perth. Team China's headliners include Asian champions Zheng Zhijian and Zheng Qinwen. UEFA has rescheduled four matches involving Israel's men's and women's national teams. The governing body postponed all matches scheduled in the country earlier this month because of the Israel-Hamas war. The rescheduled games will be played as close as possible to the existing November international windows. The Kosovo versus Israel and Israel versus Switzerland Euro 2024 group qualifiers will now take place on November 12th and 15th, respectively. Israel's away game uh, against Kazakhstan in the women's National League has been rescheduled to November 23rd, and the reverse fixture will be played on November 26th.
Tottenham returned to the top of the table after beating Fulham 2-0 at home. Goals from Youngman Son and James Madison, the two players filling the void left by Harry Kane, secured the three points, which knocked Man City off the top spot. Fulham failed to cope with the Spurs' relentless pressure from the front, with Calvin Bassey losing possession on the edge of his box for both goals. Elsewhere in Europe in La Liga, Valencia edged Cadiz 2-0. In Serie A action, Udinese and Lecce drew one all and Empoli defeated Fiorentina 2-0. Bayern Munich, Juventus and Liverpool are all among the clubs that'll look at England international Calvin Phillips in the midfield or if the midfielder leaves Manchester City. The 27-year-old struggles for game time at the Etihad have continued with only five appearances totaling just 167 minutes so far this season. That's making the likelihood of a winter move more realistic with a loan with the option to make the deal permanent a distinct possibility. Milwaukee Bucks star Giannis Antetokounmpo has agreed on a three-year, $186 million U.S. dollar contract extension. The star's agent says the deal, which includes a player option for the 2027-28 season, commits Antetokounmpo, a two-time NBA Most Valuable Player, to the franchise through the duration of guard Damian Lillard's contract. It also extends the possibility, or ends the possibility, rather, of him entering free agency in 2025. The extension, which Antetokounmpo first announced on social media is yet one more commitment from the superstar to the franchise that drafted him out of Greece in 2013 with the 15th overall pick. Uh, the franchise has also nurtured his development into one of the most dominant forces in NBA history. Golden State Warriors forward Draymond Green will not play in the Warriors' season opener against the Phoenix Suns. Green's recovering from a left lateral ankle sprain suffered during a pickup game three days before training camp began. He began light on-court work a week ago, started three-on-three work Friday, and was then elevated to five-on-five on Sunday. Green participated in practice and the controlled scrimmage this week, but the team is not ready to clear him for a game. That was sports coming up in culture and entertainment, theater festivals in southern China. The Beijing Hour. Hello, I'm Peter Dinklage from X-Men, Days of Future Past. You are listening to The Beijing Hour. Hi, I'm Kathy Freeman, and you're listening to The Beijing Hour. Hi, everyone. I'm Lang Lang. Welcome to The Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour, your window to China and the world. 55 past the hour. Shenzhou and Guangdong will host three renowned theater festivals in November. They include the 8th China Campus Theater Festival, a national-level event founded by the China Theater Association in 2008. With students as uh, the main body, it's held every two years. The festival selected 19 plays covering various types of theater styles, such as dramas, operas, musicals, children's plays, and puppet shows. These plays aim to fully demonstrate the richness and diversity of campus theater. Uh, the 10th Wujian Theater Festival is now underway in Zhejiang Province. For co-founder and director Stan Lai, the past decade has seen ups and downs, but he says he's proud of what is uh, called the most important festival of its kind in Asia. Wang Xiying spoke to Lai to find out the story behind the festival. Let's talk a little bit about the 10th anniversary of the festival. So how do you think it has grown over the past decade? What does it mean to you? I was quite emotional because None of us could see to the 10th year. You know, we were saying, can we survive to the second year? The whole energy of the, of, of the place, particularly post-pandemic, we have really come a long way. We have accomplished pretty much the impossible. Performances from over 11 countries are coming to join us. What opportunities are they seeking for? At the beginning, of course, no one knew what, who, what the Uzen Theatre Festival was. And now, when we approach the biggest groups, or they approach us, the most famous groups in the world, now they are approaching us, um, wondering when they can come. Some of our friends from overseas are second-timers, like Talia last night. They, they'd been here in 2015. Uh, I was speaking with the managing director. He just grabbed me and he said, this is so great and it has to continue. And I said, it will, don't worry. He says, because it's so important. We've put ourselves on the map. People call us the most important festival in Asia. I believe that. We have become such an important window for the world to see China. And now that the international groups can come back again, they're seeing China in a very special way and saying, wow, 
This is incredible. The theme of this year's festival, it's a rise. A rise. What does that signify and what can we expect for it? To me particularly, it means a new start. The top groups are back. Uh, how could you see anything more beautiful in the world uh, than Robert Wilson's show? We're arising, we're, we're back, basically. That's what it means. My great ambition is that it's not just bringing in the great groups, but also tourists, audiences from abroad. We need to see Uzen uh, during the festival filled with all sorts of foreigners who are enjoying the incredible experience of the festival. As uh, Robert Wilson said on stage last night, he said, art, theater, these are the real things that unite people together. It doesn't matter uh, what color of your skin is or what religion you are, you know, this, these are the things that bring us together. And at this time, the world is in a very strange situation. We need theater. That was Wang Xiang speaking with Wujian Theater Festival co-founder Stan Lai. We're at 58 past the hour, checking the forecast before we go for the day. And uh, Beijing's down to 9 degrees this evening. Tomorrow is sunny and 24 degrees. Uh, Chongqing has rainfall and 19 tonight, a high of 21 tomorrow. Last is down to zero, then sunny and 16. Hong Kong's 25 this evening, sunny and 29 tomorrow. Elsewhere, Tokyo's 14 degrees overnight. It'll be partly cloudy and 24 degrees on Wednesday. Islamabad's dipping to 14, then sunny and 28. Uh, Bangkok's at 26 overnight, then thunderstorms and 30 34 degrees on Wednesday. And that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news today, China's foreign minister will be heading to the U.S. later this week for discussions on a wide range of issues. And Israel's military says it's getting ready for unrelenting attacks to dismantle the Hamas group. On behalf of the staff, Shane Begum in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together. <laughs>